Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to Callaway Golf Podcast. Jeff Newbarth joined by, I, I don't recognize this guy. Look at that stash. <laughs> Sam Burns, what's going on? Clearly in this quarantine, you can tell what I've been doing. It's been working on my, my facial hair. Um, I figured if the time time is now. So, Well, I absolutely love it. Uh, and we are excited to have you on the Callaway Golf Podcast. We already have a ton of questions um, coming in already. So we're going to get to all your questions uh, for Sam. Of course, the Callaway Golf Podcast, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, review. Um, do, you, do you subscribe to it, Sam? Wow, absolutely. Okay, good. So if Sam subscribes to it, you should too. All right, let's get right yeah. into it. Question number one, and this was asked 11 times by this person. This is from Matt in uh, the Orange County area. How do you think Joe Burrow is going to fare for Cincinnati? Matt's a troubled Cincinnati Bengals fan. Let, let's just lead with the heavy artillery right away. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he does anything like he did this past year, I think Cincinnati will be, will be in good shape. Um, you know, hopefully – they'll be able to kind of open up their offense and let him, you know, do what he does best. And clearly uh, he's capable of, of a lot. So I'm hopeful uh, that he'll have a great career. All right. Can you confirm that you're not wearing a Bengals hat right now? I'm not wearing a Bengals hat. Odyssey. Oh, that's Sorry. Odyssey. All right. Number one putter in golf. That makes a lot more sense. All right. All right. Uh, we'll get to a lot more LSU questions. We were just joking about the fact the only benefit to college football not coming back is you'd stay the national champions a little bit longer. That's right. With with that team coming back that you have, I'm not too worried about that. There are some crazy, crazy good players. I love your wide receiver, and I'm excited to see him in 2021 join the Miami Dolphins and catch passes from Tua, who will end up outperforming uh, uh, your guy, Burrow. We'll save that for another day. All right. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, when you started to realize how long a hitter you were. Um, because every time we work with you, I remember last time I saw you, I think it was at Riv, and we were standing to the right of, what was that, 13? And everybody was hitting balls kind of in the same area. Some were kind of hitting us in the trees a little bit. And then there was a ball that just flew way past where all the balls were all day. And sure enough, we look and there's Sam Burns walking to his tee shot. When did you first learn how, how long a hitter you were and how, how do you develop that? Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, you know, as a kid, I always thought I, I hit it pretty far. Um, I didn't really know. And then really, I guess, you know, Playing at Square Creek, I was playing with somebody, Cal Williams, uh, who played for the Buffalo Bills for a long time. Uh, we played mm-hmm. a lot, and he, and he and he made a comment uh, not too long ago. He said, whenever you left for, for college and then came back, it was all of a sudden like you were hitting it 20 or 30 yards further. And I said, well, I, I didn't really realize that at the time, I guess. And then if you kind of look at, you know, if you go back and kind of look at my stats, um, you know, you could really tell that, it kind of amped up a little bit. I actually had, I was playing golf at the Carter Toms and David Toms a couple weeks ago. Um, we were social distancing, if anybody's wondering. But Carter uh, always gets upset now because he, he said in high school that we always treated about the same. And the other day I was, I was pumping it past him and he, was, he didn't like that very much. No, no, no. I wouldn't think so. But it's got to be fun to be able to play with some of the best players in the world and know on the tee that you're just going to bomb it right by them. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you kind of the, 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 the one that everyone kind of talks about is sort of when they first kind of got to, to know you was when you got paired 
with uh, that guy who lives down in Jupiter. He's, he's one of mm-hmm. few majors, Tiger, down at the Honda. Uh, and you, you bombed one by him and you walked up to him. And, and let's just tell the story for people who don't know. You kind of put your arm around him. What did you say to Tiger? Yeah, off the first tee there. Um, I was just trying to kind of break the ice. I was as nervous as I could, I could be. Um, so I put my arm around and I said, man, it's crazy all these people came out to watch me today, huh? <laughs> he laughed and, and so that's all I'll, that's all I was trying to do just get him to laugh kind of lighten the mood a little bit but that was a, uh, a special day yeah but hitting the ball past Tiger Woods off the tee I mean that's 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 like what dreams are you know everyone dreams about that you, you did yeah, it I, I probably had a little more adrenaline going than he did but yeah okay yeah. all right we got all right uh Daniel Walker wants to know do you, do you dye the mustache or is this is this all natural I can't uh I can't I can't let my secrets out about the mustache it's uh top secret but i've been working hard on it i'll just tell i'll just say that all right can can we expect to see it uh when the tour returns or or is this a quarantine only thing and it'll be gone before uh before we won or you don't know yet i don't know yet i don't know yet we'll see all right well we want to hear from you guys who are watching this uh maybe uh i don't know jen if you can do a poll on one of these channels uh but if you can let's put a poll up there should sam keep the mustache when he returns to pga tour play all right let's go through some uh other questions this one is from our good friend, Ethan, who is bypassing all the social media ways to do it, and he's texting me the question. Uh, if you played sports video games as a kid, who was your go-to player to play as, or did you create your own player, and if so, what were his traits? Yeah, so, uh, you know, being a Saints fan, if I did a, a dynasty, it was with the Saints, um, or LSU when, when college football uh, was still around. But, um yeah, I mean, I definitely would create players, you know, and if I did, it was a quarterback who was about 6'6", 280, and ran about a 4'2". I don't really know <laughs> what, I, what my goal was there because it wasn't really fair, but, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty much had Superman as a quarterback, but it's fun. I love it. And then Ethan's follow-up question is, if you can pick a non-golf physical talent ability to have, uh, what would it be like dunking a basketball uh, do a standing backflip, run a sub five minute, I would even say four minute mile, shoot like 75% Steph does from three. Like what, what would your non-golf athletic talent be if you could have one? Oh, uh, I mean, if you could shoot 75% from three, that'd be pretty nice. I may have to go with that one. Yeah, you could, yeah that's uh, a pretty good one. You, you, could, well, you could run a lot of bets with that one. All right, and then Ethan's last question, which he didn't ask, but he really wanted to, is if you were a competitive eater, what would be the food you would competitive eat? I think I'd have to give the hot dog contest to go. Nice. I like that. We should do that at one of our Callaway ad shoots is maybe bring our buddy Joe House, who is a world-class eater, and have you guys yeah. kind of square off against him. All right. Uh, Eric, favorite stop on the PGA Tour schedule? Favorite stop. Um, I really like RBC Heritage. I love that area. Um, and usually it's, it's we always get you know, pretty nice weather there, for last year at least. Um, and also got engaged and married around that area. So, so I guess it's good answer. Me, but yeah, uh, I get some brownie points for that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's just, and, it's, and, a, it's a really good golf course too. So I just love everything about it. It's ironic though, because obviously that that's one of the shorter golf courses on tour. And with all those yeah. trees, that kind of takes one of your biggest weapons out of your hand. So how, how do you get around Harbor Town? Do you, do you kind of sting it with two irons or what, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to take advantage of the holes that you can hit driver on, but, you know, it's a golf course I grew up on, East Ridge uh, in Shreveport. 
Louisiana, it was it was a you know a tight tree line golf course like that. And so I think just kind of growing up, I'm I'm used to seeing that um, a little bit, and maybe it just feels like home. Makes total sense. All right, uh, Corey wants to know: Do you tinker with your clubs once you get something dialed, or does it stay in the bag for a while? For me, I'm I'm always uh, I like to find something I like and keep it for a while. Um, you know, I think there's certain areas where you kind of tinker and see if you can find something better. But once I find something I really like, I tend to hold on to it for a long time. All right, Johnny wants to know. Got to ask, what has been your go-to quarantine meal? Go-to quarantine meal. Oh, um, man, that's tough. Especially with the restaurants being closed. But um, I like to grill. Uh, so grill some steaks. I think that's nice. always a good one to go to. Um, what else? Uh, there's a there's a local uh, like a craft beer and pizza place that make a really good pizza. Um, so we'll try to do that every now and then. But it's more of a treat. Yeah, for sure. We did some amazing steaks the other day around here. All right. Peter William wants to know, have you been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, Last Dance? And if so, oh, yeah. kind of what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm like it's, so into it. I've watched every second. Oh, my gosh. I, I, it's hard for me to wait another week. Um, yeah. it, it's incredible. I just, you know, for me, I didn't get to see him play uh, growing up, kind of like I have uh, mm-hmm. LeBron or Kobe. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just the things that he did um, and just, you know, how intense he was every day and, and his willingness, you know, drive to get better. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I remember, because um, I'm way older than you, but uh, the Mighty Heat started when I was, uh, I think, junior high or just about getting into high school. And it was probably when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, my mom got tickets for when the Bulls came into town and we got there super early. And I mean, the Heat were awful at that point. We had like like yeah. Sherman Douglas, Ronnie Cycli, like Rory Sparrow. Um, and it's funny. So when I'm watching this documentary, all I'm waiting for is to see the heat guys get dunked on. And I saw one where, where Michael abused Alonzo morning the other day, mm-hmm. but the bulls came into town and, and remember there's, there's no social media. Like the best thing you had going right. for you was like the six o'clock and the 11 o'clock sports center to see what happened in the mm-hmm. rest of the world. And these guys came in for warmups and the layups line and like the arena was packed and, and it was just like, it, it's, it's like, you know, now you, you, you can sit in sit at home and, and online on your phone, you can watch right. the guys warm up and do the whole routine, yeah. but it was, yeah, it was yeah. so different. And, and so, you yeah. what, what's been your favorite about the doc so far? What's, what's something you learned about Michael you didn't know? Yeah. I just think, you know, watching him, um, yeah, just how dedicated he was to his craft. Uh, and just like you would see how routine he makes those shots look. And it's just like these fadeaways, he's sitting there just cash every time. It, it's incredible. And it's like, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. You know, whenever he would go up for a jump shot, it was almost like he was floating. He would wait until the other guy was going down, and then he would take the shot. And it's just – it was – I mean, it's yeah, obviously everybody who's seen this knows, but it's incredible. Yeah, and this documentary obviously is at the end of his career. and He evolved so much from early in the mm-hmm. career where he attacked the basket all the time. Where I thought was so interesting, and I wish they would have spent even more time, uh, was his time at North Carolina. Because, you know, that's where I think the foundation of like when you watch this last episode and spoiler alert, he passed the ball to Paxson a lot. Um, but yeah. he learned that at North Carolina because that's how he received, uh, you know, in, in New Orleans, that jump right. shot to beat Georgetown was the better players. It doesn't matter. You always hit the open teammate and trust they're going to do their job. Uh, yeah. All right. We got a question from 
Hunter Battles. What's LSU's chances against Bama next year? I, I would assume, A, you know Hunter, and B, now that two is gone because he's going to lead my Dolphins to greatness, it probably got better. Well, uh, Hunter, um, we actually watched that game together. So he, uh, oh, nice. he had to experience the agony of me letting him know that we beat them. But, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be tough next year. At least we have them at home. So uh, we got that going for us. But maybe, you know, the tide's turning now for for the Tigers and we won't be the little brother to Alabama anymore. Yeah, that was – that's literally – you just put that on the calendar. All right, the updated poll so far, 15 of the people are saying no. Uh, 43% are saying yes, should Sam keep the mustache. That poll's only available on Facebook. So if you get a chance to go over there, uh, and, and vote. We'd like to hear. What about hunting? Is that something you've been able to do during uh, some? So- it'd be a social distance sport, right? I have. Yeah, my uh, my in-laws have some land in Alabama that I've gone turkey hunting on uh, a little bit, and yeah, I've just recently gotten into it. I absolutely love it. Um, so that's been really fun. Uh, and then we have some land around around here that I've gone a couple times, but it's awesome. I really enjoy it. All right, Josh wants to know. Uh, have you been working on a particular part of your game during this time off? It's interesting because, you know, tour pros don't really get an off season and now you guys sort mm-hmm. of have one. And even, even when they announce, you know, the, the date, they're in theory going to confirm it like a month out. So you guys can really start ramping up, especially those right. who, who live in areas where they can't play. But have you been taking a particular part of your game and kind of trying to improve it or have you just been playing to maintain? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I have been for sure. Um, you know, just during this time of kind of uncertainty of, with our schedule, just trying to find some structure of practice and things that I can uh, work on to improve. And, and I think an area that for me is uh, my wedges. Um, mm-hmm. It's always something I'm trying to get better at, but especially right now with all this time, just to kind of try to, to dial those in as best as possible. And um, so that's probably what I've been working on the most. All right. If you weren't a golfer, uh, what would you be doing career-wise? Maybe like facial grooming? Would that be like like sort of the, the main career? Or uh, really? I don't know about that. Um, wasn't a golfer. Well, I always wanted to be um, a professional athlete, but I guess once I realized that football probably wasn't going to pan out for me, I turned to golf. So I guess if I could choose something, maybe it would be um, well, something in sports, hopefully an athlete, but um, – you know, sports is a passion of mine, so hopefully something involved in sport. It's interesting. When we asked Xander that question uh, probably about six weeks ago, he, he actually went into the whole physio part of it. He said he's just so fascinated by what he's learned from the different, whether it's the, the, the tour van guys and how they mm-hmm. prep you guys, you know, stretch and whatever. And he said he's, like, so fascinated by it that he's, he's really kind of taken an interest in that. Is that something that, yeah. that you've learned to appreciate more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it kind of comes down to, okay, so A, what's the problem? And B, you know, how can we fix that uh, through certain exercises or treatment? And it's it's really interesting because, there's you know, everybody has kind of a different opinion about those sort of things. And so, um, you know, I have, I have a guy back home and a guy who's on the road um, that, that are similar in their methods. And so, it really is neat to watch them kind of go to work and, and process the different injuries or feelings and see how they can uh, make it better. All right. So staying with the, uh, the barbershop motif, tell me the story about uh, shaving your head when you didn't hit into another group uh, when you were kind of uh, as, as a kid, not, not really sure how far you could hit the ball. Well, so uh, 
at my home club, uh, Eastridge. I don't know how old I was, but I remember I was playing with some older guys, some teenagers, and I was probably, I think I was maybe like 10 or 11. So um, we were on the green, and there and there was a gentleman behind us, and he started yelling at us to get out of the way. You know, he wanted to go through. So I was like, I'm, you know, all right, whatever. So we kind of moved to the side, and he hits it in the water. So smart guy I am at 11 years old. I yelled back. Uh, we weren't we weren't staying in the water. How were we in your way? He he uh, he didn't appreciate that very much, which uh, I can see how. So he came up there, kind of let me have it, um, and told told our our golf pro. So I had the bright idea that I would uh, change my appearance. So went home, and you couldn't grow a mustache then. Couldn't grow a mustache at eleven though. So I just decided to shave my head. Uh, put my contacts in. I was like, all right, I'm ready to go back to the golf course. I, I really thought that no one would recognize me after that, but it didn't work out too well. And it didn't I work out head, too well. So. Yeah. yeah, but the guy hit it. The guy hit in the water. I never understand this. Yeah, I know. Like, if you're gonna go and play, and you're in that much of a hurry, like, what's the I point? Of I, I get it. There? If you guys were playing slow, yeah. Like, I, I don't get the whole idea of like, especially now that we haven't been able to play. I don't get the idea of mm-hmm. racing around in like two and a half hours. And the minute you get out there looking at your watch going, Oh, get these people out of the way. Like I can't wait right. to get on a golf course and sit there for hours and hours. Yeah. I mean, if you get a couple hours of spirit, maybe just practice a little bit. Yeah. Like and if that. you can't or play nine and if you can't, yeah. if you, if you can't avoid, like if you're going to play through someone, you always have to play the fairway finder safe shot. You can't take yeah. any chance of hitting it in the water or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So you mean That's you should be in charge of golf. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rick wants to know, what do you remember from your win in Savannah? Uh, what was clicking that week? Three consecutive 65s to close it out was impressive, according to Rick and everyone else. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, I've been playing really well um, in, in the first round. Just kind of a, a stagnant start, even par. Um, just kind of didn't really get much going. <laughs> I can remember, uh, so we got done that day and... Uh, I'd try to even, I think the leader had shot like six or seven under after the first round. So we're walking to the car. I was with my, I think I was with my dad and, uh, we saw the leader over there getting interviewed. And, uh, I think my brother made a joke about, Hey, you think they want to interview you? And my dad goes, even par, get in the car. So we all <laughs> kind of, that's a running joke. Uh, yeah, I remember, you know, I, I still felt like I was in a good spot and I shot a couple of consecutive 65s. Um, I don't know, just something something clicked, I guess. Just kind of, you know, once you got some momentum going, um, I just put myself in a good spot. And then I remember coming down the stretch, uh, there's a par, drivable par four. I had a really good driver on the green up 15 or 20 feet. Put it up there, made a birdie. Um, a couple holes later, I think it was 17, the par three. I knew I needed to make at least at least one birdie. 18 was a par five. Um but I hit this iron shot in there, and it's kind of fallen to the right. And there's a bunker on the right side of the green. And it was kind of front right. And it hits, like, just off the edge of the bunker and kicks it right behind the hole to, like, four feet and end up making it. And so when that happens, you know, usually there's something like that um, mm-hmm. that you need. And, and so that happened. And hit a really good tee shot on 18. Hit a five iron to maybe 40 or 50 feet and, and two-putted it. Uh, to win but yeah there's always something like that um when you win that you need to happen and, and for that that was me for uh on, on 17. 
I'm fascinated by how golfers and not just when you win, you guys remember every shot, every break, you know, yeah. the yardage, you know, the club, like, I think we're going to do a game show where we get like six or seven of you guys and it's called, tell us the details about that shot and we'll get the shot linked at it and we'll see how yeah. accurate you were. Uh, and I think you guys are going to yeah. beat shot link. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, speaking uh, of, I think uh, I've got 30 that day on the back nine. 30 that day on the back line. Come on, Rick. Why wasn't that in the question? He was impressed with 65. But if you go 35, 30, you got to, you got to lean on that. 30, oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, a uh, couple other podcasts that everyone should be checking out is fitting room. The guys had Dylan Fratelli on this week. You were playing any rounds with uh, Dylan? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah. He, he kind of broke down, you know, he, he's one of the, the, the main uh, triple track disciples out there on tour with both the putter and the ball. So he joined Nate and uh, Dave talked about that. And then tomorrow, uh, Lex and Sarah and the Girls and Golf podcast are recording with Magdalene uh, Sagstrom. Uh, she won earlier this year on the LPGA Tour. So we want people to check that out. And then later this week, tell me how you think this one's going to go. On Thursday morning, we have Colt Nost and Kelly Kraft. Oh, boy. Anytime Colt's involved, it'll be, uh, it'll be entertaining for sure. Yeah, I'm just going to literally sit there and say, hi, guys, have at it. And I'll just sit there, take my go. feet up, yeah. hang out, low, and then I'll say later, thanks for listening. Yep, Colt, Colt can hold court. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. The updated stats, 57% are saying no to, to the mustache. Man. I don't get it. I, I mean, what, I why, why the hate on there. She, I think my wife must be on there clicking no. Like five she doesn't like it? She's not for it. Oh, She's really? All right. It. Well, that, that, that gives us our answer as to what's going to happen. Uh, uh, next question from Ryan. Advice for junior golfers looking to play college golf. How to position yourself to get noticed besides the top of the leaderboard? That's the obvious one. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I guess I'd have to just kind of go off past experience. Um, you know, for me, I think it was just a challenge to see how good I could get um, and just kind of push myself. I, you know, you know, growing up, my parents never pushed me to practice or um, encouraged me to practice. It was always something that I kind of wanted to do. And I think you know, you have to find that inner drive and inner want of getting better. And so, um, you know, that looks different for everybody. But for me, it was just, you know, trying to work as hard as I could. Um, and if there was somebody on the putting green, I'd always – I would never leave until they left. You know, it was like a, a some kind of – I don't know what it was. But I just didn't want to leave. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop practicing until, until they did. So, uh, I guess there's little stuff like that where I just try to find an edge um, of getting better. All right. I'm, I kind of feel like these that are coming in now are like all your friends who could just text you this, but instead they're going through me. Yeah. Eric Gibbs, uh, who's your favorite person to take money off at Squire? <laughs> Gibbs, Gibbs and I play some golf over at Squire. Uh, favorite person? Um, man, it's a good one. So many to choose from, you know. But uh, I don't know. I, I uh, definitely have some good games out there. Derek Busby is a good player out there I play with. Um, Kyle, I play golf, I live a good bit with Kyle Williams. Um, Gibbs is a good player. Uh, Nolan Timon, one of my buddies, I play with a lot out there. Um, so we all have some good games. Yeah, I don't know if there's one person I like taking more money off of than the other. It all spends the same. But uh, yeah, we get we get we get some good games going. Is that one of the keys to staying sharp in kind of this quarantine period? Because you know the 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 thing that I wonder about is is look you guys aren't going to come out there after a couple week warm-up and, and be hacking it all around the place but it's the competitiveness right, right? how do you put yeah. yourself in pressure so is that is that a way to simulate pressure 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, some of those guys I have to give shots to, and, and I just know that I'm going to have to play really well if I want a chance. So just kind of knowing that, um, knowing I have to go out there and make a bunch of birdies, uh, it keeps me kind of competitive and, and uh, the same sort of atmosphere as, as playing in a tournament. What, what's the most shots you've, you've had to give in one of these games? Um, I gave Nolan 12 yesterday, and that was a disaster. He, he's like a scratch. He's a scratch, but somehow he talked me into giving him 12. I don't know how. Of course he did, but I did not win that one. Um, no. But I give uh, Brad Pullen, my coach, eight, and that's usually a pretty competitive game. Um, he's he's going to shoot around even par, typically. So well, a, guy who, a guy who needs more strokes on the golf course. You're going to see it this Friday. We have a vlog coming out. We have Kyle Berkshire, the world long drive tramp. Brandon Grace, the war, uh, you know PGA Tour winner. He won at Harbortown as well, speaking of Harbortown earlier. Uh, and Matt Browning played. Uh, I don't know if he played. He was there. He was the third participant in this vlog. Uh, you'll be able to see that this week. But what was really cool about it was taking advantage of Kyle's uh, prodigious length is whoever yeah. won the hole got to set up the next hole. So we were on the Valley course. Okay. Uh, and basically, we, we would hit from place to different place. Um, yeah. and, and Matt learned a very valuable lesson that not all, not all golf balls float. So, um, <laughs> you know, you can see that on Friday on CallawayGolf.com. Uh, really kind of fun vlog. How many strokes would would you think they would need to in a three hole match against you? Who's that? Matt Matt Browning from our social team, who you know. Three who, holes. Uh, yeah, three holes. How many strokes? I give, give him a shot a hole before okay. playing stroke play. Uh, I would uh, I would give uh, I would bet my money on you on that one if it's only one stroke <laughs> a hole. I think it needs to be one and a half or something, or he gets to play maybe two and gets to play the better ball. Um, talk to, talk to me something about pro-am something that uh, hopefully will return when, when when the tour goes back to normal who knows but what are some of the things you see in pro-ams that you just wish you, you could talk to the amateurs about and help them uh, so they would get better asking for a friend yeah I mean um, you know I'd say the most common thing is you see the over-the-top move from from high handicap guys uh, that's the main thing it's just a, yeah, you know, these guys get aiming so far left, just trying to hit, trying to play their slice. Um, so it's difficult to see that, but you know it's it's tough to to try to give them a lesson while you're out there playing a pro am at the same time. Um, but you know they're fun. We try to try to make them enjoyable for those guys and um, just try to learn as much as we can about them and just try to enjoy the day. Yeah, and. You know, I mean, back in the day, that was sort of the foundation of the PGA Tour, right? Because the people who played in the Pro-Ams became the title sponsors of right. the events that really kind of kept everything going. So, uh, and plus, what what's cooler than the day before a tournament starts to be able to, you know, walk nine holes or 18 holes, depending if you guys flip uh, between the nines with, with someone. Let's talk about the tour yeah. returning a little bit. Um, right yeah. now, we're saying Colonial, uh, which is good regionally for you because that's not very far. So, we got Colonial, then we yeah, got Hillman. Head. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts right now? Kind of, um, when will you start kind of ramping up and, and, and really getting yourself ready, uh, and kind of believing that this is really what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, right now, um, you know, my coach and I have just been trying to, like, you know, let's just, let's keep going and, and, and practicing like we're playing next week. Um, so really just trying to maintain that structure, um, and 
just knowing that it's going to be here sooner than you think. You, you don't want to get it two weeks out. And be like, oh man, I, I really need to, I really need to get my game right. You know, then you're you're behind the eight ball already. So really, just trying to continue to to get better in certain areas. Um, just looking forward to that June date. And and in terms of you know we've missed a lot of sporting events since uh, mm-hmm. since this whole thing started. What uh, what sports are have have you missed the most kind of so far? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say I'm more of a football fan really than anything. So yeah, fall sports I'm not really here yet. But um, I don't know. I, I would say I always lean towards football. So I'm really hopeful that uh. But it won't be as much affected as these spring sports have been. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting just seeing some of the teams, even with their off-season camps, they're starting like virtual Zoom meetings, like we're doing now, uh, to basically like install plays and and go over stuff. I think it's going to be interesting to see who shows up in shape and who doesn't. Um, yeah, because you know if you're kind of stuck and you're not a motivator and you need the coaches to kind of put you through it all summer, uh, this could be right. the year you kind of suffer. I also think for rookies, it'll be tough. Because if, if we don't have true training camps or, or watered-down mm-hmm. versions of that, you know, how right. do you – I mean, luckily for me, Tua probably already knows the offense. But for those, you know, other other rookies, it's going to be uh, a little bit tough. But, like, you know, you're, you're running back, um, you know, Edwards Hilaire, who went to, to Kansas City. I mean, what an awesome opportunity for him to, to step sure. into a great offense. But that's a lot to learn sure. to kind, yeah. of, kind of get going. I think that'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I'm a huge baseball fan. So this is, you know, okay. the time of year, like, like I look at my, my ballpark app and thinking, oh, we should be at the, the Padres or should be hosting the White Sox coming up this weekend, interleague play. And we're not there and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, just love getting out to the ballpark. So hopefully we'll start to see a little bit of a return to this stuff relatively soon. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, Sam. Uh, last tally, uh, the mustache, it's gaining traction. Uh, it's only yeah, losing 45 to 55. So sure. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll go in there and we'll just, me and you click yes about 30 yeah. to 100 times and we'll we'll knock sure. it over the top because i'm a fan uh i'm not gonna lie i'm a little jealous but uh, maybe 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 uh during the colt nose podcast i'll work on some facial hair see what i can try to pull off. there you go you got you got some time so yeah exactly all right yeah. uh sam burns thanks so much for joining us on the Callaway golf podcast where can people follow you online so they can keep track of your uh comings and goings yeah uh i'm not too much involved on social media but Instagram and Twitter, uh, I guess, is, is the best way. So I try to uh, try to do a better job at that. But yeah, thank you guys for having me. That was fun. I really enjoyed it. All right, that's Sam Burns on the Callaway Golf Podcast again. Listen to the fitting room with Nate and Dave and Dylan Fratelli, and uh, don't forget to check out Girls in Golf. They uh, have Madeline Sagstrom this week, and then Thursday. Uh, I will sit here quietly as Colt Nose and Kelly Craft solve the world's problems. So can't wait for that one. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. And we will see you Thursday on the Callaway Golf Podcast.